Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Jenny Beck Esme. Jenny, this week I thought we'd do a little audio review of a post that went up on the site back in August on herpes zoster. This post was actually put together by one of our second year medical students, Alex Estrella. A second-year medical student already getting involved? That's awesome. I, I love that. Uh, this is a great topic. You see it all the time in the emergency department, some pretty classic bread-and-butter stuff. So let's get to it. All right. So herpes zoster, more commonly called shingles, is a reactivation of the varicella zoster virus within a sensory ganglia. Now, that's the same virus that causes chickenpox. So you get chickenpox as a kid, virus hibernates in your sensory nerves, and then at some point down the line, it reactivates, leading to herpes zoster. Now, there's a couple of variations of zoster that we need to be aware of. There's the simple zoster, where you'll see lesions in a single dermatome. There's herpes zoster ophthalmic, where you get reactivation in the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve. And then there's disseminated zoster, where you'll see the rash in multiple dermatomes. And these patients, the ones with the disseminated uh, zoster, they can have some systemic effects as well. Zoster is extremely common, as you mentioned earlier, and you're going to see it in the ED all the time. While anyone who's been exposed to the varicella virus in the past can develop it, it's more common in patients who are immunocompromised and in the elderly. The diagnosis here is almost always straightforward and simple. In fact, I'd say that this is a classic doorway diagnosis. If you've seen zoster once, you really never forget it. The patient will present with a painful, sometimes pruritic rash in a single dermatome. It typically affects the trunk, but you really can see it anywhere. The rash may have kind of a macular base, but there will always be vesicles in that sensory nerve distribution. And depending on how long the patient has had the symptoms, you may or may not see some crusting of the lesions. Prior to the rash developing, patients will sometimes describe an intense, sharp, or burning pain in the same distribution. This pain can occur up to five days prior to the skin lesion developing. Patients may present during this time, and the diagnosis is a little bit hard to make without the classic rash. Now, herpes zoster ophthalmicus deserves a special mention. Again, this is herpes affecting the ophthalmic branch of the trigeminal nerve. These patients will have unilateral lesions around the eye, forehead, and nose. Additionally, the lesions may affect the eye itself. Often, the patient will complain of some pain, and you may see some conjunctival injection. Eye involvement can be anything from a corneal lesion to episcleritis to keratitis, and it can lead to vision loss. All patients with herpes zoster ophthalmicus should have a slit lamp exam and fluorescein exam performed. Now, if your patient presents within 72 hours of the onset of rash, antivirals may be beneficial. These medications can help increase the rate of healing of the skin lesions. They can reduce the acute neuritis as well as reduce the risk of developing post-herpetic neuralgia, which can be extremely painful and is difficult to treat once it develops. If it's been over 72 hours but the patient still has new lesions popping up, antivirals are still indicated for use. I would be pretty liberal as well in treating patients with herpes zoster ophthalmicus and eye involvement regardless of the duration of symptoms. We're typically talking about either acyclovir 800 milligrams five times a day, or we can give valacyclovir 1,000 milligrams three times a day, and both should be given for seven days. Famcyclovir is another option, 500 milligrams every eight hours for seven days. If the patient can afford valacyclovir or famcyclovir, just give that. The five times a day dosing of acyclovir is a little crazy. I don't know, Jenny, I don't know if you can do it, but I can't divide 24 hours by five. And so I have no idea when I'm supposed to take that medication. 
I mean, we do know that you have some pretty bad math skills. That's true. That's true. It always comes back to my poor math skills. <laughs> now, in addition to the antivirals, make sure to provide your patients with adequate analgesia. You can start with NSAIDs or acetaminophen, but opiates may be needed as well because this can be quite painful. That's treatment in a nutshell for the simple patient with a single dermatomal distribution of zoster. However, there are some other circumstances we have to consider. Patients who are immunocompromised should be treated with antivirals regardless of how long the rash has been there because they're at risk of developing disseminated varicella. In any patient who has disseminated zoster or in immunocompromised patients with multiple dermatomes involved, IV acyclovir should be started and the patient should be admitted to the hospital. Now, although it's unclear if there's a benefit, many ophthalmologists will recommend IV antivirals if there's eye involvement with herpes zoster ophthalmicus because there is ultimately a risk of vision loss in this case. With the exception of the patients we discussed being put on IV antivirals, those with eye involvement or disseminated varicella, most patients can go home as long as their pain is well controlled. Prior to discharge, patients with zoster should be warned not to be near other people who are immunocompromised or pregnant women, as transmission in these groups can be particularly dangerous. Once the lesions have crusted over, though, patients are no longer infectious. Jenny, let's wrap this up with some take-homes. Of course. Classically, herpes zoster will present with rash and pain in a dermatomal distribution. Immunocompromised patients are at greater risk for significant complications of zoster, including visceral dissemination and zoster ophthalmicus. Third, appropriate therapy includes antiviral therapy within 72 hours of onset of symptoms and analgesia for the acute neuritis. And then last, disseminated zoster and zoster ophthalmicus that can threaten the site should be treated with IV antivirals. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google+, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.